following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know him and make him known. Well, I don't know if any of you have happened to have um, been by our house in the last couple of months. Um, we got a little project going on. When we started this project, my dear wife, who is always a voice of reason, said, do you think you could be getting in over your head? And I said, I know I'm getting in over my head. And the stubborn streak in me said, I'm going to do it anyway. So we got the lumber, a bunch of piles of lumber in the front yard, and um, I had this idea that we would just get our lawn chairs and, and put a grill out there, and we'd sit around these piles of lumber and just kind of pray and wait, and maybe, just miraculously, it would show, you know, one day all that wood would be up on that. didn't happen that way. It's so far, it's taken us a couple months of, uh, of sweat and uh, some frustration here and there, and even the shedding of blood has occurred. So, but as we have been working on that project, I couldn't help but think uh, a little bit about the parallels between that and, and this passage of Scripture that we're going to look to today in our uh, Let There Be Light series. We're just biting off these little chunks of, of verses, and it's, it's, it's amazing. It's just simply amazing how much there is in just a few short words of Scripture. Jonathan started us off last week with, the, uh, with creation, and those very first words, those important words, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens, and the earth. And I want to spend just a couple moments and we'll just kind of quickly review kind of what he took us through um, and, and set up today's words. Um, I love that verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I would really love it if somebody would tell me what it means. In the beginning... Tell me what the beginning is. Are we talking about a million years ago? A trillion years ago? How about the beginning of, here's one, the beginning of eternity? Yeah, you get it. The beginning of eternity. Wait a minute. There is no beginning to eternity. It's one of those things that, that philosophers and scientists and theologians love to, to just wrestle with. And I think it's why all those guys are really weird. I mean, come on. You ever seen a picture of Albert Einstein? Um, <laughs> and I, it, it, these guys, they love to study that kind of stuff. Um, I'll give you another example, just off, off the rails a bit. 
But I love Albert Einstein's one theory in, in particular, and it's the theory of the expanding universe. Now, he said, the universe is expanding like a balloon. Our universe is expanding like a balloon. Now, think about that. Makes sense? Anybody have a problem with that? I do. What's it expanding into? If I had a balloon and I blew it up and expanded it here, it's expanding into this room. What's beyond the universe? So it's kind of like that. In the beginning, we, we, don't have a, we don't have a clue. We can't know. And, and we don't need to. Isaiah said it so well. Oh, is that thing rubbing on here? Isaiah said it so well. God speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God simply says, you, you're never going to figure this out. And think about it. If we, ha- if we could figure it all out, If we knew all the answers, why would we need faith? There are simply things we will never know. Listen, I've been a believer for 45 years, and I'd like to think I know a little bit about God. And and as I get older, I'm in my 70s now, I realize I know about one, one trillionth of one trillionth about God. There's so much I, I, I don't get. And it makes you as, you, as you understand that, as you realize that, you have to lean more and more on faith. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created these heavens and earth. And, and how did he do it? He spoke it into existence. And, and you see that as you go in through the rest of, of, of uh, this first chapter of Genesis. And and God said, let there be blank, boom, there it was. Let there be, boom, there it was. We have to do it the old-fashioned way with hammers and nails and a lot of hitting of thumbs. But... Something that, that Pastor Jonathan brought up last week that was, was so good. He created it perfectly. It was perfect. But then again, what else could a perfect God create than something that is perfect? God is incapable of producing anything that's not perfect. But there, there, there was something about this. Now, you look at this whole story, and while we looked at creation last week, and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you went out on the street and asked a thousand people what that verse means, what does it mean when God says that God created the heavens and the earth? They'd point around and say, well, God created all this stuff, right? Yeah, not exactly, this way at first, there was a st- kind of a stage, stages to this creation. 
In the beginning, God did indeed create the heavens and the earth. But then he goes on to give us three descriptions of what that initial creation is like. Remember, that initial creation is perfect. God created a perfect heavens and earth. Everything that God wanted to create, he created, and he created it perfectly. And then in, Ge- in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we read, And the earth was what? Formless and void. And darkness covered the deep. It's fascinating just these three words. Formless, void, and deep. Or dark, I'm sorry. Formless, void, and dark. And uh, I, I hate to do this because I'm going to get it wrong. But, but the, the words formless and void kind of are tied together. They're really, uh, as someone said, they are, they are kind of kindred spirits. They don't say exactly the same thing, but they point in the same direction. And in the Hebrew, <laughs> tohu va bohu. Did I get it right? Close enough. Close enough? I turned to the, he- to the Hebrew expert. <laughs> tohu va bohu. And, and it's only used twice in, outside of this usage in, in, the, uh, new and old, or in the Old Testament. And you kind of have to take them together, as I said. Isaiah 34, verse 11 says this. The, and it's talking about the coming judgment against the nations of the world. And it says, the desert owl and the screech owl will possess it. The great owl and the raven will nest there. God will stretch out over Edom. And measuring line of chaos and the plumb line of desolation. It's those words. Chaos. And desolation. Then it goes on to say, Jeremiah 4.23, Jeremiah is seeing a, a vision of what will occur because of mankind's rebellion. He says, and, and it's almost verbatim, Genesis 1.2, I looked at the earth, and it was formless and empty, and at the heavens, and at their, and their light was gone. What these words are really saying is that God's initial creation was perfect, but it wasn't finished. It was perfect, but it wasn't. All of the elements that God wanted to create, he created in perfection. Now now would come the gathering of the elements together. And I I love this part of it. All of it was done for us. God created all of this for us. Think about that for a moment. If you're not a bit awestruck by the fact that God would go to all this trouble to create all of this for us, then I think there's something drastically missing in your faith. You've lost the awe of this awesome God. Tohu vabohu. It's not the end of the description. What God is really saying here is it's an inhabitable place in its original form. Uninhabitable place. Perfect but uninhabitable. I know that's hard for us to understand. 
But God's going to take this original creation, and he has another intention for it. And that is now to turn it into a place that's habitable for his most precious creation of all. Us. He's going to make the heavens and the earth a place that we can inhabit. One more description. He says it is darkness. The darkness is over the deep. Now, we think of darkness in, for, in the idea of, of evil. Well, yeah, after sin, we think of darkness as evil, but there's no sin here. Darkness is not sinful. <laughs> darkness, I read someone who said, if you want to understand what this darkness meant, it's a darkness that is so dark that you can't see the darkness. We're talking dark. So what does all of this mean to us at this time of year when we're celebrating the birth of the Son, the one who would come to live perfectly and die sacrificially and rise victoriously? So that we can have the life that he longs for us to have. I think there's parallels here. When we look at that original idea that the earth was formless and void. And darkness covered the deep. I think the first thing we see. And the first thing we need to remember. That Jesus Christ came to give us purpose. In the chaos of our world, in the darkness of our world, Jesus Christ has come to give us purpose. Just as the product, the initial product of creation was uninhabitable, perfect yet not ready to fulfill its purpose, Neither are you and I able to fulfill our divine purpose until we are established in Jesus Christ. Right? What did Jesus say? In, his, in, in, in talking about the vine and, and the vineyard and all of that, in John 15, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do virtually anything you want. Not quite it, is it? Apart from me, you can do what? Say it. Nothing. nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We are incapable of fulfilling the purpose God has created us for unless we are abiding in Christ. God created us and he gave us purpose. We are to know him, to love him, to worship him, and to serve him. And he has it all laid out before us and, and all we have to simply do is step into it. We've quoted it time and time and time and time again in this church. Ephesians 2.10. 
For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared beforehand for us to do. Now, I don't know what those works are for you. I don't know what God's purpose is for you on a day-to-day basis. I do know we are to worship him, and I do know we are to love him, and I do know we are to serve him, and I do know we are to please him. You have purpose. God has given you purpose. Please don't let me ever hear you say, I have no purpose in life. Until you take your final breath, you have purpose. I've told you many times of of sitting with a woman who could do absolutely nothing. She was so paralyzed by her illness in a, and had been that way for 10 years in a nursing home, but she prayed. She was living with more purpose than a lot of people I know who have perfect health. We were with some friends the other day and, 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 and my friend said, you know, I just sometimes wonder about if I'm doing anything in this life, if I have any purpose anymore. And Judy and I started to kind of rattle off all the people we knew that his life had impacted and how he was impacting people right now in his life. He said, you know, I never thought of it. There's a lot of ways to serve God's purpose in your life. And that's kind of this idea of the earth was formless. Without purpose, we're just kind of wandering through this life and trying to find some satisfaction, some way, I guess, to prove ourselves. Besides purpose, Jesus also gives us significance. Just as the initial creation was perfect, it was, it was also, I don't know how to say this, insignificant in that it, it still had to have its significance pressed into it. And the same goes for you and, and, and all of us. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Apart from Christ, we have no real, true, eternal significance. Only when we allow Christ to reign fully in our lives to control and lead and guide us in the areas that we are to love and worship and serve him do we have significance. Let me put it this way. Go back to, the, to what I'm used to thinking about houses. If, if you were able to go into the Chicago area... And there are some, uh, some areas in the Chicago area, uh, suburbs and so on, where you can buy some pretty fantastic houses. Uh, huge homes. Millions and millions of dollars have been spent on building these homes. And, and you can walk in and it can be as flawlessly built as a human build, being can build it. And you can walk around and look at these massive rooms and this huge kitchen and everything else. The problem is 
It's empty. It's empty. It's just a building. It's a house. It's walls. Now, take a young family, one of the families of this church, and go in there and fill that building, that empty house, fill it with love and laughter and joy. What have you got then? You've got a home. And there's a big difference between a home and a house. God initially built the house, and then he turned it into a home. And we'll see that in the days ahead. God will gather the elements. He turns its house into a home for those he loves. Finally, Jesus came to give us light. It's always fascinated me that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then he turned around and said, no, you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. He didn't say, you need to become the light of the world. You are the light of the world. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're the light of the world. It's not a choice. You are the light of the world. In Philippians 2.14, and I love this passage, do everything without complaining and arguing or grumbling and complaining so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars of the universe as you hold out the word of life. That's what we're called to. Without Jesus in our life, we are formless and void, and darkness covers the deep. We're formless. We, we're <laughs> I was thinking when I was reading that about uh, a few weeks ago, I, was at a, I did a concert and I ran into my high school art teacher. Sadly, she remembered me, the poor girl. And then I found out that it had been her first year of teaching when she had my class. And we were rascals. I'm surprised she kept teaching. But we, you know, you had to do the clay thing where you, yeah. I think my ball of clay looked worse, looked more like a ball of clay after I got done with it than it did before. It was formless. It had, it had no shape at all. It looked like nothing. That's who we are without Christ. We're formless. We're void. We're empty. Darkness rules. People, we are to discover and fulfill our purpose. We are to accept and embrace our significance. We are to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. And let's remember all this at this time 
when we come to celebrate and remember the birth of the one who stepped out of the gates of heaven, walked this planet, gave his life so that you and I might live. In a couple of moments, we're going to pause. Pastor Jonathan's going to come and walk us through our communion service. would remind you that, first of all, this, this communion service is not about this church. Uh, it's, it's not our communion table. It is, it is the Lord's. If you're a visitor, you're not a member here, doesn't matter. All that matters is that you have, by faith, surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And he is real to you. Then you're invited to the table. Secondly, Paul says in his account of the Last Supper, a man ought to examine himself. We need to take a good look at our hearts before we come to the table. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads and spend a few moments in, in quiet prayer. And ask God to help you know your purpose, to know your significance, to know how to let your light shine in a greater way in your world. How to let the world see Jesus Christ through you. And if need be, pray and pray hard. A prayer of repentance. Get back up off your face and celebrate victory. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.